It's a very short passage of Scripture. Together we'll look at what God says to us through his son Jesus. And this is what he says. Remember Lot's wife. Read it. Go ahead. Say it again. Hmm. Okay. Father, your word reveals your mind, your heart, and your will. It's all good for us. So we don't need just information. We need transformation. And Holy Spirit, you're the only one who can illuminate and give us truth today. So we ask you to open the word of the Lord to us. Help us to see it and hear it, not just with eyes and ears, but with our inner man. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. That's a pretty terse and short statement that Jesus makes in the middle of a dissertation. Very short, very terse, very to the point. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus commands us to remember this woman. And he said, never forget about her. What happened to her and her family simply because she disobeyed and looked back. The ramifications began to go down in generations. There's the backstory. Abraham had left his country following God, and his nephew Lot has joined him, and God began to bless them in their new land. Their herds grew, I mean immensely grew. They were very, grew very wealthy, and the favor of the Lord was upon both Abraham and his nephew Lot. Their herds grew to such proportion, there were so many animals and then so many hired shepherds to take care of them, the tension began to grow between the herd's men from both Lot's group and Abraham's group over grazing and water rights. So finally Abraham stood up and he did the right thing, even though he's the older of the two and deserves, of course, because of the culture, he gets to make the choice. But he gets up and he says, look, we're not going to allow material wealth and property issues to divide our family. We are family. And Abraham makes a proposal to Lot. He said, look, choose whatever land you desire. You get first pick, okay? Set up shop wherever that is. Take your herds and your shepherds and go and be blessed. And one of the territories was very well watered, plains, open fields for grazing. And it was in the direction of five cities where Lot chose his land, two of which were called Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot took the well-watered land, and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Abraham took the desert area with much less water, yet God prospered Abraham and continued to multiply his herds, and he became, the scripture says, very wealthy. Lot's decision, on the other hand, led him toward corruption and destruction. He got the good land, but he also got all the influences of corruption that came with the direction he chose to take. On the surface, it looked great. I mean, it brought short-term satisfaction and results, but it was the worst decision he ever made for himself and for his family. Wisdom dictates life's choices must be made with eternity in mind. Not just the moment, eternity in mind. When we're making life's major choices, they will affect our family, and you better make them not with just a financial reward or a better job in mind. 
You don't make these decisions based on what you see only in the natural. You don't make these kinds of decisions on what brings you immediate satisfaction. You have to always, always have to filter major decisions which affect your family through this question. Is this the will of God? That's the priority. How does this affect? How does this decision affect me? How does it affect my family? How does it affect us on into eternity? That was the question Lot failed to ask. It looked good. It felt good. It was certainly financially rewarding because when he looked around and saw that was lush, fertile soil, man, he's going to make a lot of money. This is going to cause him to increase his accounts. I mean, look, the blessing is here. It must be God's will, right? Just because it was there and it was good and it felt good doesn't make it God's will. And he moved in the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the scripture says every night he pitched his tent. He faced cities of wickedness. Anytime your eyes focus in a direction, and that's where his eyes begin to focus, where your eyes wander, your body will follow. It's a matter of time. So little by little, Lot moved his family from the plains on the outskirts of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he moved them into the cities of wickedness. So now they've become integrated into the culture. They are actually marrying among the people who are idol worshipers who care less about God. And they're taking on their lifestyles into the family lineage of Abraham. But God is faithful and he answers the prayers of his uncle Abraham who was praying for his nephew and his family because God has told him, those cities will no longer exist. And, and Abraham knows that means my family over there is going to be obliterated. So he begins to pray and he intercedes for, for Lot and his family. And because God said that angels of the Lord are coming to bring warning as a result of Abraham, your prayers for your nephew. So God sends two angels with a message into the city of Sodom for Lot and his family. And they say, they knock on the door and they say to Lot, God is going to destroy these cities because of the vile wickedness taking place here. And the word records that the inhabitants of those cities are so corrupt, so wicked, they desired to capture the angels and sexually abuse them. That's how wicked it was. Now watch this. We are not to hate anyone. We're not to attack people and act like there are big sins and little sins. Because sin corrupts us, no matter what it is. We all need the grace of God. But I have to also say, standing for truth is not hate speech. I'm saying that God's Word teaches us to speak the truth in love. Withholding either love or truth is a violation of God's command. So you can speak the truth... But if you don't speak it with a heart of love, you're out of line with God's word. On the other hand, you can love, but if you don't speak the truth, when you're obviously seeing something you know is out of alignment with God's word, so you can, you can love somebody, but if you don't speak the truth when they're over the line, you're equally out of line with the word of God. So the word of God commands you speak the truth 
in love. Okay? And in the vile wickedness of those cities, the angels take Lot and his family by the hand and lead them out. Come with us. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that the angels said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you or stay anywhere in this plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. So God commands Lot and his family, and, and, and then all of a sudden the judgment of God falls in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the command was, don't look back. As they have escaped the cities now, coming under judgment, and they're making their way out toward the plains and the mountains, Lot's wife turns around and looks back. She looked back. And listen to this. When God brings you out, when God sets you free, and God delivers you, and he changes your life, don't look back. Don't go back. Don't turn back. Don't dare. Don't dare give it a fleeting glance. You never go back. That's why Jesus, century later, centuries later, gives us this warning. It's a terse one. It's a straightforward one in the middle of his dissertation. Remember Lot's wife. Don't forget the danger of looking back. Don't forget the danger of turning around after God brought you out. You would think if God sent an angel to deliver you, you would never look back. Especially if he told you, don't look back. She did. And there were consequences. So he overthrew those cities. God did. All the plain, the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. There was nothing left. But Lot's wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And the story doesn't end there. Consequences for sinful disobedience can reach beyond you. So know God's word concerning this truth. When this happened to Lot's wife, when she decided to disobey a command, when she was, when she was leaving the city, she turns around, she's turned into a pillar of salt because of the choice she made. Now that she's gone, she's no longer a part of the family, the father and the daughters continue, Lot and his daughters continue on forward, and the daughters of Lot begin to fear that their family's lineage is going to come to an end because the mother is no longer a part of their family. She's gone. There will be no more lineage. All the inhabitants of these cities are dead. Nobody's left as far as they're concerned. We're the only people left. So the two daughters think we're the only ones, the only ones to survive all of this. So in a desperate act that coincided with the moral bar being lowered so far in the city in which they were raised that it got into them. It became a part of their culturization, that they began to think like the rest of the culture around them instead of thinking according to the plan and the will and the word of God in an act that's so evil, listen, because of the influences and there's the danger of putting yourself into these influences. They get their father drunk. This is one of the most horrible sins ever recorded in the Scripture. Drunkenness, incest, and disobedience to God's Word. Then they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. He was gone out of it. Next verse, thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father 
The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son. He is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. So nine months later, the first daughter bears a son and names him Moab. The second daughter bears a son named Ammon. Out of these sins come two tribes, the Moabites and the Ammonites. When you read the Word of God, you will look over and over at these names popping up out of the Scripture, the Moabites and the Ammonites. They become the number one and number two enemies of Israel. They are fighting and constantly attacking Israel. These are Lot's grandsons. The Moabites offered their children as sacrifices to their gods. They were, all, both tribes were idol worshipers. One of the tribal chieftains stood on a wall and threw his baby off as a sacrifice to the demon god they worshipped. This is their history. So bad is their spiritual bondage that both Isaiah and Jeremiah speak curses over these two tribes. They curse them in the name of the Lord. So corrupt are these two tribes that another two prophets later also speak the curse of God over these tribes. Ezekiel and Micah both cursed the Moabites and the Ammonites. Lot's lineage was cursed by God. He gives this commandment. Never is a Moabite to be allowed into the tabernacle or even on its grounds. It says in Deuteronomy 23, an Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. They are not permitted on the grounds of the people of the Lord. These were forbidden and they were under a curse. So watch how sin begins to work its way down through lineage. Because that mother was a woman of Sodom. And because of her disobedience, it also regenerated in her daughters. And as a result of that, there's sin now that's developed into two evil tribes who worship devils. But watch this boring passage of Scripture in Matthew 1. Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. So when you get introduced to Ruth, this name that pops up in the middle of that chapter, middle of the opening verses actually, her book is in the Old Testament, the book of Ruth. Ruth, the Moabitess. This is so powerful. As you look into her lineage, there's sexual immorality, drunkenness, bad choices, demon worship, wrong direction, curses from God, pain, hurt, failure. It's all there. But if you look at Matthew 1 and its genealogy, where does it take us? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David unto the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. Let's check on it from last Sunday. And right in the middle of the Ancestry.com is Ruth the Moabitess, the great-granddaughter of Lot. How does she land in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? Well, there was a great famine in Israel. And Ruth was living in Moab, she's a Moabitess. And Naomi, she's a Jewish lady, 
who loves God, her husband, and two sons leave Bethlehem in the middle of famine to escape it, and they go over to the land of Moab. When they arrived, one of their sons falls in love with Moabitess Ruth, and they get married. But Naomi's husband dies, and her two sons die, and now the three of the ladies are are widows. There are now three widows. Naomi turns to her daughters-in-law, and she says, I'm going back to Bethlehem where I came from. You all remain here. This is your land. One of the two, Orpah, decided to remain in Moab. But Ruth grabbed Naomi, and she says this, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Watch this. And your God, my God. At that moment, a supernatural conversion took place in a girl with an awful family tree. She's from a tribe that's been cursed. There's been immorality, drunkenness, gross sin in her lineage, worshiping devils. And Ruth says, your God will be my God. I'm going back with you to Bethlehem. And in that moment, there was a conversion. Something immediately began to turn. Ruth is now in Bethlehem with Naomi. Both are widows. They have nothing to sustain them. So they're gleaning in the fields of Boaz, a wealthy landowner, in order to be able to eat because the law of God said, when God's blessed you and prospered your land, you've got all of this overage, I want you to make sure you leave around the edges some of the harvest so that those that don't have enough can come and take and receive the food they need to eat. And that's what Naomi and Ruth were doing. They were gathering around the edges, perhaps around the edges of the very field where one day angels would announce the birth of Jesus because it was in Bethlehem. And Ruth is receiving welfare because she's so poor. They're both so poor. And Boaz, the wealthy landowner, on a stallion surveying all of his property and all of his acreage, he rides up and he checks out Ruth and says, Hello, is it me you're looking for? No doubt. Could have had Kirsten come up and do Taylor Swift impersonations. She does that really well, but I thought this was more fitting. Anyway, Boaz is an Israeli. She's a Moabitess. They get married. They have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David. David becomes the king of Israel, and he has a great-great-grandson named Jesus. Looking back on life's lessons from Ruth's life, you see Lot, you see sin, sexual immorality, you see the history of idolatry, you see substance abuse, you see a curse. But if you turn and look forward to Matthew 1, you see Ruth in the genealogy of Jesus, you hear angels singing of the birth of the Savior. Ruth played a role in the great history of the coming of Jesus into the world. You see the Savior dying on the cross for the sins of all humanity. So I've come to tell you what Ruth is saying to you today. Though no matter how bad your lineage is, your future is brighter than your past. Once Jesus is in it, it doesn't matter what your lineage is. 
what kind of family you came from, what history is in the background. If you'll quit looking backwards and turn forward, there is a Savior named Jesus. He'll take all of that and he turns it into his calling, his plan, his ministry, his purpose for your life. So I don't know what you've got behind you. I don't know what bad choices you've made in your yesterday. I don't know what regrets you have, but your future will be better than your yesterday. When you look back, there's Moab. When you look forward, there's Jesus. Ruth, decide. You can look back to where you came from. There you're going to hear voices speaking to you that will tell you why God can't use you, why he can't bless you, why God can't love you. He can't possibly love somebody like you. There's drunkenness in your family. There's sexual immorality. There's idolatry and demon worship. There's even a curse of God on you. If you asked any Israeli, do you think the Messiah will come through that family? Do you think there's any possibility that he could ever come from them? Not one would answer. Well, I can see the Messiah coming through that messed up bunch. None of them would answer you that way. But Ruth has a message for everybody today. She's saying your future is brighter than your past. Your tomorrow will be better than your yesterday. Is anybody here blessed that you've been freed from your yesterday? Amen? So the enemy wants to give get you to give up on your family. He wants you to look at your history and say, it's futile. The enemy wants you to think the track you're on can never change. You're headed in that direction, and that's where you're going to go. But look at Ruth. Yes, we remember Lot's wife. Jesus said we should. But don't forget Lot's great-great-granddaughter. Don't forget her. Lot's wife serves as a warning but Lot's great-great-granddaughter serves as an encouragement. Amen? You look at what happened in her life. No matter how messed up, no matter where you've been, God can turn it, place his mercy and grace on it, and you get to play a major role in his purpose for our culture today. Looking back, there's sin. Looking forward, there's redemption. Looking back, there are curses. Looking forward, there are blessings. Looking back, there is judgment. Looking forward, there's mercy. Looking back, there are regrets. Looking forward, there is purpose. Looking back, there is lot. But looking forward, there's Jesus. Amen. And many have the enemy encouraging you to live your life looking in the rearview mirror at corruption and wickedness and failure in your past. But the Holy Spirit wants you to hear this. Your yesterdays do not make you unworthy of being a part of God's plan today and tomorrow. That's why Jesus came. Amen? Ruth, no matter what's behind you, there's a Savior in front of you. I know yesterdays are filled with pain, and there's ugly back there. But Jesus is still ahead of you. Thank the Lord. If you look back... You see divorce, generational curses. You see substance abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse in your lineage, generational sins. I was sharing an article with my wife this morning before we came over. A very, very talented lady married to a very, very talented man. And they have a child, a little, little girl. And they raise her in this drug-infested culture. Eventually, the mother dies from overdose. 
The daughter lies near death today. And the caption is this, by those who know the family. It sure looks like they pass their substance abuse addictions right to their daughter. Now, these aren't people studying Scripture that realize there are generational curses. These are people that just look at the obvious and see what happens. If you look back, the enemy whispers, God can't do anything great in your life. But if you look forward, there's a Savior just ahead of you. He can turn the curse into a blessing. He can stop all that has happened in your past, change your entire family lineage, and that's going to happen for somebody as it did in the early service. It can happen for somebody in this second service today. You may have family issues, things that have happened you're not proud of. You wonder, how am I ever going to escape this lineage I've come out of? There may be circumstances in the past that still haunt you. You've got yesterdays you regret, wish you could do over. Somehow I wish I could do that again. But the word of the Lord to you today is, Jesus is not in your rearview mirror. Get your eyes off the rearview mirror. Look out of the windshield and you'll see Jesus ahead saying to you, I'm for you. Come on, follow me. I haven't changed my mind about using you. That's the word of the Lord. Ruth, Lot may be behind you, but Jesus is in front of you. The purpose in front of you is there in spite of what happened behind you. Ruth had so much mess behind her, but the purpose of God for her life, see, she would be a part of bringing the Savior into the world. The calling in front of you is greater than the mess that's behind you. There's ministry in front of you in spite of what you've had behind you. The hope in front of you is there no matter what happened in the past. Ruth, you get to share Jesus. You who've come out of a cursed background can share Jesus with those who are hopeless. As I think of our church at Calvary and families, When I think of how the enemy says to you, because of what has happened back there, God can't use you, won't use you, or won't use your family. And I'm here to get up here. I stood up here today to say one thing to you. Lies. Those are all demonic lies. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Holy Spirit. So if you are in pursuit of the Holy Spirit and you're not walking after your old nature, listen to me, there's no condemnation in your life. Some mothers have prayed and prayed, and you have your loved ones on your heart, and they weigh on your heart regularly, constantly. There are some Ruths here that are going to come out of the burden you're carrying on your heart. There are those that God is still going to use. There are some godly husbands and some godly sons and daughters that are going to come out of the prayers you have in your heart. The enemy wants you to live looking back at the pain and at the sin and the curses and the immorality. And the Holy Spirit says, Jesus is ahead of you. He's got a great plan for you and your family. And Ruth tells you, God can still use you in spite of your past. Yes, remember Lot's wife. But remember Lot's great-great-granddaughter. God can take your mess, turn it into a message, a disaster, turns it into a destiny. 
It all depended on one moment in Ruth's life where she looked into the face of her mother-in-law and said, Your God will be my God. Everything pivoted in that moment. The curse turned, lifted. All of the curses of the past were broken at that moment when Ruth declares, Your God will become my God. I'm moving ahead. I'm not looking back. I'm moving forward. I'm leaving the land of Moab with its idol worship, with its curses, with its immorality, with its debauchery, and your God becomes my God. Someone needs to decide to say, I'm not looking back. I'm not looking back. Remember Lot's wife as a warning and quit looking back. Stop looking back at what happened back here. Quit returning to the old crowd. Don't return to the old nature or the old habits. She never went back. Remember Lot's wife. But now remember Lot's great-great-granddaughter because there's something great ahead of you if you'll say, your God, Dad, Mom, your God, your God will be my God. There's something ahead that's great for every person. There's a calling. There's a purpose. But it's waiting for you to make the decision. You get to choose. You're here today because someone prayed for you. You know, and Jesus has made an appointment to greet you and meet you here. If I could preach like some of those that are starting to get culturalized in our society, I could preach one of those nice, fluffy, and puffy sermons and then turn you loose to go back to living the way you want to live. I could do that. Or I can get up here and I can say what God's directed me to say, that there's a Jesus in front of you, and he wants to change everything in your home starting today. Everything in your past today. Everything in your family today. And somebody needs to grab that and say, that's mine. Choices. Choices have consequences. If Lot could make one wrong decision and it could change the history of his family from being in the covenant of Abraham and being blessed to being in the tribe of the Moabites and being cursed because daddy decided to make a choice that was self-centered and as a result of that his entire lineage ended up in a tribe of idol worshipers and generations of his family lived under a curse choices have consequences Ruth's choice in the lineage of Lot she looks at Naomi and says your God is going to be my God I want out of this Ruth's decision and her choice changed everything for her future as it had for her great uncle. Listen to me. And your decision today to follow Jesus or not to follow him, to say, I'm not looking back. I'm looking ahead. I wish I could undo all that back here. I can't, but I'm looking ahead to Jesus. You get to make the choice. And here is what Ruth's life story is all about. Paul sums it up. In one simple verse of Scripture, let's stand. I want, you to, I want you to stand while you're hearing me read this to you. It's in 2 Corinthians, and here's how Paul sums it all up. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's for you and your family. There is a God who will bless your family. You've had failed marriage. You're looking back. That's past. God says, I'm tired of you looking back here. That's under the blood. Look forward. So why not stop for a moment and give thanks to the Lord? Let you get to look forward today.